Do you want to know everything there is to know about the next generation Toyota Land Cruiser Prado? Well, then you are in the right place because we are going to detail everything that we know about the big new off-roader that's coming from Toyota possibly sooner than you think. I am Cars Guide Managing Editor Tim Nicholson, and I am here with two very smart and very lovely human beings, including Cars Guide Deputy Editor James Cleary. Hello, Mr. Cleary. Good day, Tim. And of course, we are here with, I guess you could call him our resident Prado expert, Andrew Chisto Chesterton, contributing journalist. How are you? It's actually a resident Prada expert, I'm afraid, so, but I'll try and do what I can about the Prado too while I'm here. It's true. I've seen your luggage. You're very fancy. <laughs> Listen, welcome back, gents. We've uh, we've got a lot to get through. It is all about the Prado. Uh, we know that people are super interested in this car. Obviously, a lot of people uh, look at stories on our site. And it's also a, a big vehicle for Aussies, isn't it, JC? It, it seems to be such a loved car in Australia. It is. My first interaction with the Prado was back in 1996 when it was the first generation that was sold here. And it had just picked up a, sway, a whole swag of awards. And um, I think it was the motoring clubs went nuts for it and uh, named it as best SUV. And I looked at it and thought, wow, okay, I don't know anything about it much, but it's just grown to become... Uh, such a favourite, such a family mm. favourite. And I've always found it a bit baffling, frankly, because Toyota has so many, uh, you know, you've got the Land Cruiser uh, 300 series now, um, you've got the Kluger, um, you've got Fortuna, and you've got the Prado. So in amongst all of that, the Prado seems to just have its loyal devotee. So um, over yeah. successive generations, it has carved out its niche solidly. And, and who would have thought, JC, almost 30 years later, we're still selling that same 1996 Prado right here in Australia, <laughs> ready for a replacement at last. <laughs> so well, it was, on that, it, it's interesting now. I think I think we're up to the fourth generation currently in Australia. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, gents, but I think that went on sale in 2009. And mm -hmm. then it's had obviously successive two kind of major facelifts since then um but it's essentially still the same car underneath maybe with a bit of a change in engine as well mate i think you'll find i think you'll find it's the second oldest vehicle currently on sale in australia i think but it only by the 70 series land cruiser but also given a good run for its money by the 200 series land cruiser before that was replaced so it does seem to be something in the land cruiser name yeah yeah and you're right, though, JC, as well, because there is other vehicles. There's still the Fortuna. It's it's not really as as popular as this sort of thing, but uh, the enduring popularity. So even looking at sales for this year, so far this year, or at least the first quarter of this year, it is, I think, the second best-selling large SUV in Australia behind, yeah. I guess, what's one of its rivals, the Isuzu MUX. Yes. I mean... Um, we were talking with uh, off-air prior, prior with Matt Pritchard, our uh, our fabulous uh, technician behind the scenes, and he was talking about, I want to say it was his uncle or grandfather, anyway, um, Arello, who was just a dyed-in-the-wool Prado fanatic, and I think there's a lot of that about. Um, the combination of Toyota's reputation for durability and longevity and all of that stuff. Yeah. And then the Prado has its own little brand reputation as, as being particularly... Um, you know, agreeable uh, for a whole bunch of people. Yep. Actually, I think popularity is what holds the Fortuna back, to be honest. I think we, we are a, a nation of Prado lovers rather than Fortuna lovers. Yep. 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 And it's, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to use the term grey nomads because you don't have to be grey to be one of those nomads, but they do, it, it seems to still be the car of choice. 
um, on that front. But before we dive into kind of what we know, I guess just having a look at those rivals, I think when the Prado first arrived, maybe it didn't have so many rivals, but now we've got a lot of the kind of ute-based things that are, are really yeah. creeping up on it. Yeah. I mean, think about Everest um, yep. for, for a starter. That's that's a big one. Um, unlike the Fortuna, Everest has been um, a big deal uh, for Ford yep. mm. uh, for some time. So that's been a big success. I think you'll find the Mahindra Scorpio might surprise a few people too, to be honest. I've just climbed out of that. That's a uh, surprisingly impressive beast on and off-road. Interesting. Right? There awesome. you go. But the, but the big question on my mind, and it's one you've raised in your story, Chesto, is the engine because uh, much as people are wedded, a lot of people are wedded to Toyota, then a subset of that is wedded to Prado. Uh, I think they like it because it's a, a diesel available model and that's becoming increasingly problematic for Toyota. I'm glad you use that term wedded too, JC, because that's actually the term that Toyota used. They recognize one of their big challenges moving forward is that so much of its customer base, certainly in regional and rural Australia, are wedded to diesel. Uh, and how do you sort of wean people off that with a new model? Now, with the launch of a new Prado edging closer, it's a little bit of history repeating itself. Before we get into the new model, I want to take you back to the 300 series and that sense of panic that sort of washed across yeah. Land Cruiser owners as the countdown to the end of the 200 series was on. And we sort of knew at that point the V8 wouldn't be able to be carried forward. What would the new engine be? Would it be good enough, et cetera? And I like to think that the 300 series has allayed those fears with the 3.3 litre twin turbo diesel V6, right? But now here we are again, new Prado edging closer and you can feel those ripples of panic spreading out across existing Prado owners or those who are certainly in the queue for one, because obviously the biggest question is, can diesel remain in this vehicle and, and if it does just what kind of diesel will it be so there are a couple of options and, and we, we lean on actually our japanese colleagues in the media for a lot of this information who are obviously pretty close to toyota hq and have their finger on fingers on the pulse of exactly what's going to be happening mm. one option is that it's that 2.8 liter diesel that is currently in the toyota hilux as yeah. well as the prado will carry forward and, and a reason for that being is that toyota is, has unofficially sort of hinted at the fact that that hybridization is coming to that engine as a way to extend its life uh, in the form of 48 volt hybrid system which won't offer the full fuel savings of like a Toyota RAV4 hybrid for example but will certainly reduce fuel and emissions incrementally either way essentially that technology is coming to that engine to extend the life of the Hilux before the new Hilux gets here right. because that okay. vehicle now is getting long in the tooth but clearly that those two engines are, are the same. So if 48 volt hybrid is coming to that, there's no reason that it couldn't or wouldn't come to the Prado. And you'd have to think that would make the current buyers pretty happy. Which, now, would, which would raise the question, would it not, Chesto, just a fundamental one. Will this upcoming Prado be all new? You know, what, what's your mail on on how new it is? Is it ground up nut and bolt or is it is it an evolution of, of what we already know? No, it's TGNA platform, meaning right. all new ground up. Whether that yep. extends to engines, we, we don't necessarily know. Okay. It, it, it would make sense for Toyota to try and offer a diesel of some description in our market. And if the brand is unwilling to invest too heavily in new diesel tech, yep. stand a reason that the, the old engine will in some capacity carry over. But that's probably the least controversial option because there are others. So uh, another option, and it sounds like this is what's going to be happening, at least in the J Japan market, is that it'll be renamed the Prado 250 and we'll actually make use of a 2.4 litre turbo petrol engine, the engine currently used in the Kluger, 
where it'll make around 205 kilowatts and 430 newton meters. At least that's what it makes in the Kluger. It might, the wick might be dialed up slightly for Prado. That is sounding like a, a pretty solid option as well. Whether that engine comes to Australia or whether it comes to Australia exclusively remains to be seen, but that's firming as an option. Another interesting option, which I think is hugely likely as well, is that that engine will undergo its own uh, electrification as it does in the new US spec Crown, which gets a 2.4 litre, again, four cylinder turbo petrol with an electric motor and battery, this time making a total 253 kilowatts and 542 newton meters. Now, as you know, that'd be enough to outpunch the current Prado on torque. Um, and that's firming as an option as well, whether that's going to be available at launch or whether that'll be a down the line way of increasing the sort of efficiency of that vehicle remains to be seen. And then there is one last exciting option on the engine front. Now, that is that the Japan's best car web, who I've got to say do have form in getting these things right more often than they get them wrong, suggests a new Prada will be offered with not one, but two diesel engines. The first being, of course, that 2.8 litre turbo diesel, the electrified version, 48 volt hybrid, but the other being a version of the 3.3 litre diesel that's currently in the LC300. Now, whether it's the full fruit version of that engine, I'd be surprised if it was for obvious reasons. It needs to be a separation between the two, but that engine could possibly make its way into the new Prado as well, which would be a pretty impressive piece of kit. Now, that's a lot of options. We probably won't get all of them. So what, what do we at Cars Guide make of that? Well, the short answer is that electrification is coming to this Prado one way or another. It, it's getting more and more difficult for Toyota to avoid that now inescapable fact, whether that's in the form of 48 volt hybrid on the 2.8 or whether it's a petrol hybrid uh, petrol hybrid powertrain or both remains to be seen. But, but we would argue, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a 48 volt 2.8 litre diesel was offered in the Prado in Australia, petrol was offered abroad, and then petrol electrification was offered in all markets slightly down the track. So that's that's my theory on it. Interesting. So on that, going back to the, the 2.8, so obviously we know, particularly in Australia, we've had issues with the um, diesel particulate filter that is linked to the engine in that car, the Hilux and the Fortuna. Now that that's had an impact on Toyota's reputation, undoubtedly. Surely it's almost a risk for them to continue on with that powertrain. Yeah. And look, the other thing too, is they are copying a hammering globally for their stance on electrification. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Um, you know, not just in Australia, but, but abroad. Now that's really criticizing the, the, their move or lack of into the full BEV, full battery electric vehicle space. But there is no doubt that Toyota is copying a hiding at the moment for its contribution to emissions. And in fact, there was a big story in the paper just on the weekend uh, accusing Toyota both in Australia and globally of slowing down the shift to emission standards and and uh, politicking against them, etc. Now, we have no evidence to support that one way or the other, obviously. But the point is, heat is coming to Toyota. In the, in the shape of its perceived lack of movement on electrification. So there is electrification coming to the Prado. There's not a doubt in my mind. Okay. There's also the um, the option of uh, uh, hydrogen fuel cells. As we know, Toyota has been big on that. Um, you know, we've, we've seen that in the Mirai. There was an announcement quite recently, I think, um, talking about them uh, making a huge shift now that Akio Toyota's gone and the new guy who was from Lexus has come on board and he's got a much more renewed, sharpened focus on electrification, and that includes um, hydrogen. I mean, JC, do you think we would see I think, a, a hydrogen what fuel I, cell? What I'd say with that is, I mean, we're going to talk about timing in a minute, but say it's 2024. I think uh, with our recent experience of driving the Mirai and uh, Nexo, um, there's a total of four hydrogen filling yeah. stations in the country. Um, so 
the chances of having anything near a commercially viable network of hydrogen fuel stations um, in the next couple of years are Buckley's and none. So um, I, I think, think that uh, that's a that's a down the track proposition. If you think Prado owners are complaining about the lack of uh, <laughs> recharging stations in Outback Australia, wait till they try and find a, a hydrogen. <laughs> so I mean, don't get me wrong, hydrogen I think is a viable alternative for diesel, particularly in heavy. Uh, trucking and uh, interstate um, kind of transport, that kind of thing, it's it's viable. But um, in the more immediate sense for passenger vehicles like this, um, I don't think so. Yep. And that's, I mean, that's a really good point as well, though, because these vehicles, the 300, the 70 series, all of these vehicles, the Hilux, like travelling to central Australia, these are the majority of vehicles you see and they they, they need a range that's going to be like 700 kilometres or something like that to get from town to town. There's just nothing in between. So um, I, I think, you know, that talk of certainly battery electric vehicles is very city-centric and doesn't really consider particularly our geography. So yeah. um, it, it'll be certainly interesting to see. I suppose also okay. if, if you're, you know, sitting above the Toyota chessboard um, in Tokyo and you're looking at the globe and it's an ever-fractured marketplace in terms of what you can and can't market, in particular areas because of those infrastructure questions. Uh, and if you want to continue to do business in a place like Australia, you've you've got to make decisions uh, about diesel, those, those big calls, but gee, it would be a big one to leave diesel completely behind. Well, the other thing to remember too is with emission standards now on the table in Australia for the first time, that, that might have an impact on the engines that Toyota chooses to supply here too. We A lot of car companies view Australia as what's called an emerging market because we don't have those standards in place that other Western countries have. And as a result, they can push old diesels here, no problem at all. But if those emission standards come in, that might change the game. The one other thing I wanted to raise on this for just a second is about our love affair with diesel. I totally understand it. But my query is, with the cost of diesel at the moment being as expensive as eye-wateringly expensive as it is around the country, if you can develop a petrol hybrid powertrain that delivers more torque than a diesel, satisfies your towing requirements, uses less fuel and travels just as far, why would you be against that? Yeah, and, job done. That's that's true. If you can tick those boxes, that's, I mean, surely that, that's pretty that, good. It's an education process from Toyota, obviously, but because yep. people can just immediately be against it. But if you can tick those boxes, there's really no logical reason why you, you, you'd be against it, in my opinion. Yeah. Yep. I mean, all, all I will say is if you've ever been to a country field day um, and there's a group of people walking along between displays and someone starts up a diesel, you'll have 30 heads just going... Yes. You know, like it's, it's, there's something about diesel that, irrespective of its performance, that just clicks with people. You know, Absolutely. it's very it's true. It's people very true. Love, people love it. Um, now, moving on from the powertrains, uh, another big important question is what this thing is going to look like. Um, as I said, this current one has had two um, fairly major facelifts in its time. So uh, obviously Toyota designs, you know, fairly solid at the moment. I think the 300 is, is a pretty good looking thing. Um, Chesto, behind your head, and we will obviously put it on the screen as well, is we have a uh, rendering from the wonderful Thanos Pappas, our uh, in-house renderer of what he thinks this might look like. So uh, what do you think he's uh, he's done here? Yeah, so I would say this, to, to, just to be absolutely upfront, Toyota is yet to reveal any yeah. official sketches or renders of this vehicle, but we, we are sort of, I guess the ob most obvious way to do it is to view the Prado as the 300 series little brother and expect it to be designed accordingly. And, and I, for one, think the GR Sport 300 series is, is a thing of beauty. They've, they've made a big block of a car look really quite svelte and handsome in that uh, in that trim especially 
So with that, I'd say that, look, there's only so much you can do with a Prado, right? It's going to be tall and long and wide and boxy, and you're really not going to be able to avoid those dimensions. But I would expect to see 300 series design cues make their way uh, into the Prado, especially around the front end. And some of the other renders we've seen, which are really fetching, are based on based largely on the Toyota Tundra, which is a tough American truck. It looks very cool and very sort of Yank centric. And if you take some of those design themes and feed them into the Prado, it looks pretty good as well. The reason we think that might happen is Toyota, for, for really for the first time, although JC, you might be able to correct me on this, really has a kind of global design philosophy against their tough, around their tougher vehicles. And it all seems to be being fed out of the USA at the moment. So we expect our Hilux, for example, to look like the Tacoma. We expect the Tacoma to look like the Tundra and it all sort of have that 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 uh, those family ties. Which I, th- I think, Chester, that speaks to the fact that this is so much an export market model mm. for Toyota. You know, this thing would be um, like an outer planetary spaceship on, on Tokyo roads. They're, they're, they're j- just, it's for the US, it's for Australia, it's for Africa, it's for uh, Middle East, it's it's all of those places. So the look and feel, it would be no surprise if it's US-led. Yeah, and this one reportedly is going to the US, um, which which they are all very excited about. And just to take you back a step or two, adds a lot of weight to the idea that they won't all be diesel. If, if any of them are diesel, they won't all be diesel because diesel simply doesn't fly in the states, as we know. You know, so. Um, but anyway, back to design. That's we we think it's going to take that kind of American view of design. We expect to take some three hundred cues, some Tundra cues, and have a kind of Americanized tough truck kind of feel. Yeah, and I think the the interesting thing as well is much like the three hundred and its Lexus counterpart, there will be a Lexus version of this mm-hmm. next Prado as well. Do they call it GX, I think? Mm-hmm. Um, in the States, uh, we don't get it here, but I believe we will be in the next generation. Okay. And that will have a, I would assume, a more softer look than uh, the Toyota version. Boy, we're um, being for, loaded up with Lexus models. models. Honestly, the uh, yeah. the the spread, on, I know we're on Toyota, but gee, we're, there are a lot of Lexus options. <laughs> um, it's true. In terms of the interior, I don't know about what you guys think, but... Um, I wouldn't say Toyota is known for its striking interior design. It's pretty utilitarian. It's, yeah. you know, it gets to the point. It's not fussy. Uh, will we kind of see that carrying over with the Prado? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, the interior is actually the easiest thing to pick. Go, go sit inside a 300 series, see the dash layout and everything else that, that's offered in that car, shrink it in your mind slightly, and that's almost certainly exactly what will turn up in the Prado. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Brilliant. Um, moving on now to, I guess, you know, features, that sort of thing. We would, one would assume that it's going to get quite an uptick in safety and tech, given how old uh, the outgoing vehicle is. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the single biggest change for for buyers. And I actually wrote an opinion piece uh, for the wonderful website that is Cars Guide a couple of weeks ago, suggesting that if you're rushing out to buy a Prado now, you, you have rocks in your head. You, you need to have faith in, in Toyota to build a car that is as good, if not better than the current one. And when the current one we're talking about is a decade old, it's actually not even that hard. The, the, the level of technology, safety features, in-cabin tech that will be included in this car that's just foreign to current Prado owners will be be you know mammoth 
So expect a major technology overhaul in the cabin, just like there was between 200 and 300. It's true, isn't it? It's almost like the fear of the unknown, that kind of human instinct to say, oh, I don't know what's coming. I like what's here. Don't change it. Blah, blah, blah. We fear change. Yeah. Um, but yes, you should have some trust that there are people who kind of have a handle on what they're doing yep. uh, yeah. and may be able to improve it. But I think safety, you're right, Tim. Um, Toyota Safety Sense is the is the active suite that that Toyota has, and I know it's a it's an evolving thing that it's not fixed in stone. That uh, as soon as Toyota can add to its abilities, uh, they do. So you'd have to imagine that that'll be the case with this upcoming yeah. product. And safe to say, too, anything that wears a Land Cruiser badge, even one followed by the word Prado, is pretty important to Toyota. They understand that it's a halo model for the brand, so they, they won't be taking it lightly. No. And on that, of course, with that you know huge change in tech and whole new design, all that kind of stuff is going to probably come uh, with it a bit of a price bump. Now, I was just having a look. So the current one starts, it's actually more affordable than I thought. It starts at 62830 for the Bogo uh, base GX all-wheel drive. Yeah. yeah, and it hits, I think it's uh, just under 89K for the Kakadu all-wheel drive. Like, uh, you know, you look at the pricing of a Everest these days and it's like, oh, you know, you can get a cheaper Prado. So we can assume surely that this will go up a fair bit in price. It's going up. I mean, if you, if you use the 300 as an example, right, it, it was between about $7,000 and $10,000 more than the model it replaced, depending on the trim. Yes, there are more trims, but as the like for like as you can get, it's between seven dollars and $10,000 more expensive. Pretty easy to justify with a car that has, you know, a lot more stuff, obviously. Um, but but you, you can expect the Prada to do exactly the same. The, the, this car is in massive demand as is the 300 series. The, the, expect no run out, drive away, no more to pay office. <laughs> I think the landscape has changed in that a couple of decades ago, we were used to new vehicles arriving with more kit for less money. Yeah, um, that, that was a regular occurrence. Um, and now it's, yep, new vehicle arrives, more kit more money um, and that's maybe to do with market forces uh, but who knows it's a different different thing these days i mean the 86 is an example of that too jc you know look at the price difference between the yeah. original 86 and the new one so yeah the question isn't whether it's going up the question is how much it'll go up yeah well and i suppose you could in percentage terms you could apply as a rule of thumb apply roughly the same percentage um anyway yeah yeah and just to wrap up, uh, uh, JC, you mentioned before timing. So when are we kind of thinking this uh, this new thing is going to hit the showrooms? Me? Any, who, whoever. I'll jump in there. So yeah. that, that, that's one of the great unknowns, obviously. But look, there, it was heavily tipped to launch this year. Um, yeah. it, it now almost certainly won't. The latest mail out of Japan and, and solid mail is that it's going to be launching in April 2024. So yeah. exactly 12 months from now. Um the question is, when will we start to see it? I would argue well before that. There'll be a drip feed of, of information and teasers and everything else in the lead up to that eventual on-sale date. Yep. Yeah, we're, we're still probably 12 months away. Um, and I think at least part of that is, is the production chaos currently engulfing Toyota and the rest of the industry. I, I think pu pushing a new car out when you've got backlogs of orders globally is probably very difficult. So, yeah, about a year away, I would have thought. I did wonder that, and that was going to be my next question. You know, is that going to be impacted? But it, it sounds like it is. I mean, they're still trying to fill back orders. There's still, I think, a stop sale on the 70 series yeah. uh, still. So, Absolutely. I mean, Toyota's in a world of trouble when it comes to, to production. So, the one other thing I'd say about that, that too is that a new car doesn't mean you'll be able to get it straight away either. If you look at the 300 series as a prime example, they, they launched that vehicle, they almost launched it with wait times, basically. Yep. Um, and if demand, 
for Prado and Land Cruiser and models like it continue, then you can expect the same thing next year. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, gents, I think that has come to the end of our little Prado wrap. That is everything that we know. James Cleary, Andrew Cheston, thank you both so much for joining me. No worries. And Matthew Pritchard, thank you very much for being on the keys and making this all happen, of course. Now, we would love to hear from you. Sound off in the comments about what you think the Prado is going to look like, what it's going to have uh, under the bonnet, everything you think you might know. We would love to hear from you. Uh, keep an eye, of course, on yeah. Yeah, exactly. Any, anything positive reference me, anything negative reference Chester. <laughs> this is true. Keep an eye on carsguide.com.au for all the information that we have on the Prado and also keep an eye on YouTube as well for more of these types of videos. Thanks again and we'll see you soon.